Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. Saturday Suckage, I'm Steve Rosenblum. I'm here. Let's take roll to find out who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks, really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Oh, my God, this sucks. Sounded more like Toby to me. Random Bears fan. Yes, we do. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection. It's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I tell you that and... and... That's all I can say. George went. But there you go. I suck. Steve Dahl. Disco sucks. Disco sucks. I don't know how we missed that the first time around when we were compiling the suckage roll call. Thanks to Joey Ice, my frozen guy, and Trader Joe saying, come on, come on. So we did that. We, uh, we included Disco sucks. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Welcome in. 
We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Our tech zone, 312-644-6767, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. 312-644-6767 is the number you can also call us. I think we last used that. It might as well be a landline at this point. It might as well be just considered a landline like somebody's home 40 years ago since nobody calls. We will be here. I will be here. Why am I saying we? I will be here from until 1245, taking up the Cubs pregame with Zach Zaidman, and then Cubs Diamondbacks, and hopefully they won't suck again the way Kyle Hendricks did. 1140 today, Chris Emma will be here. We will. I will talk to him. Reporter for the score, and he covers the Bears. The Bears are running OTAs. Talk about that in a moment. At noon, Danny Parkins of the Parkins and Spiegel show on the score, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6, will be here. They had Terry Boers on this week, and I'm going to have him walk up that interview. And all I can say is this Terry Boers, score legend. The best thing about Terry Boers is he is always Terry Boers. But as the Bears. Go through OTAs, Matt Eberflus's first as coach. If you listen closely, you're hearing a continuation of some amateur nonsense, some high school stuff, the acronyms, HITS stuff, and whatever other acronyms he comes up with. But something came out this week about Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. So let's review. Bears opponents posted a 103.3 passer rating. That defense was the highest allowed by any NFL defense. That was your Bears last year. Only the Washington football team, the Commanders now, and the Indianapolis Colts allowed more touchdown passes than 31 the Bears gave up. The Bears also finished in the bottom five in interceptions with eight and yards allowed per pass attempt, 7.6, despite allowing only 191.6 passing yards per game. So Jalen Johnson and everyone ought to have to prove their worth. And Matt Eberflus kind of made that point. But he did it in such a way that sounds so amateurish, so high school, and so transparent. He was saying, he was talking about Kyler Gordon, the second-round draft pick, their first overall pick. He'd been lighting it up in practice, talking about his ball skills, doing everything they wanted, and, and oh my God, this is Deion Sanders again, the way he, he talked about it with such enthusiasm. Asked about Jalen Johnson, he was talking about the third-year cornerback has plenty to work on. Okay, so let's review. Jalen Johnson has three years of NFL tape. He led the Bears in passes defended last season, had an interception. The leader on the team had two. The co-leaders on the team had two. But he has work to do as being the best player in the secondary. He is. He is the best player in the secondary. Meanwhile, Kyler Gordon, coincidentally drafted by the regime of which Matt Eberflus is a part of, all of a sudden, this guy is Spider-Man and Superman and and Thor and every other superhero you can think of. Well, it sounds, first of all, it sounds like a bad summation, a bad evaluation by the 
rookie Bears coach, and it sounds like a rookie mistake. To me, it also sounded like, if you recall, the what resounded in Ditka's last year. In 92, around this time, as a matter of fact, Don Pearson, football legend, sat down with him, and the coach was talking about the team and the season and needing to rebound and where they go. 91, I mean, not 92. So they were... What came out in the newspaper in the Chicago Tribune was Ditka pretty much calling out Richard Dent and Neil Anderson. Richard Dent was his best defensive player. Neil Anderson, his best offensive player. Ditka would say, well, I thought this was off the record, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But that's what came out, and that's what was printed, and the way Ditka looked was as if he learned really nothing in 10 years. He was resorting to, this was like coaching 101. Here's the idea. Let's call out our best players on either side of the ball and make them work harder and motivate them. And everyone will watch that and they'll think, wow, that's that's our best player. If he's working that hard, if he's practicing that hard, if he's giving that much, I have to do the same thing. And it couldn't be more transparent. It's not an issue. You don't have to do this if you have a Michael Jordan or Mark Mark Messier. Those are the guys. You know what they're doing. You know what they're giving. You see how they practice. If your best player is your best practice player, you got nothing to worry about. If you have to make your best player the best practice player, you got something to worry about. And that's what this sounds like to me. It sounds like a rookie mistake. Iberflus was on Rich Eisen's show this week, yesterday, I think, as a matter of fact, and had some things to say about the the Bears quarterback situation, the Bears quarterback. So let's give a listen as he talks about building the Bears offense around Justin Fields. We're going to build this offense around him, you know, his skill set. And part of that is being able to acquire the skill set and, and fit it around him also. And that's that's the most important thing. What can he do and what does he do well? And then let's enhance that. And that's what we're doing. You know, the offensive staff is doing a really good job. You know, we have a great offensive line coach, you know, Chris Morgan, you know, paired with our offensive coordinator, uh, Luke Getze, uh, who's got a really innovative mind. He comes from that Shanahan, you know, Kubiak tree of the wide stretch zone and the play action pass and the whole thing's built off of that. And if we run the ball really well, which we will because of our, our line and the way we're going to operate, we're going to be able to really open up a lot of windows uh, for our quarterback. And the system is really quarterback friendly. It's been quarterback friendly for a lot of years. Uh, it's won Super Bowls. And you can see what it did last year for uh, even like Stafford. You know, he gets in that same system, and man, he just takes off and really flourishes in that system. And and the second year for a guy like Justin Fields, he's just going to take off and do really good things uh, in improving this year and setting our foundation for the Chicago Bears. Well, I like the enthusiasm that uh, Eberflus is talking with and showing and believing. But we we will run the ball well, he says. Really? Based on your offensive line? That is the biggest question mark. And if that's not the biggest question mark, your receivers are. And that leads to a load of problems. Eberflus is talking with Rich Eisen. He talked about Luke Getze's offensive scheme. 
didn't he, Caesar? No? All right. Well, how about, as we just as I just alluded to, the criticism not having enough talent around Justin Fields? I would say this is that is that uh, look at the tape. Watch the tape and see how we, we played as a defensive unit. And that's my philosophy. And what you'll see on tape is you'll see guys that play extremely hard. They're very intense. Um, they, they know how to take the ball away. And obviously we're going to have to take care of the ball um, as well on offense. But we're going to play hard. We're going to be very intense. And we're going to take care of the football, take the ball away, and we're going to be smart. I'm going to, I'm going to drill these guys in situations uh, to make sure they understand the critical points in the game that win football games. That'll be a you know, two-minute red zone into the game, uh, you know, four-minute, all the situations, and we're going through that right now. And then really it's more about my coaching philosophy. I believe in this. I believe in the coach and player relationship. Uh, I think that's very important to to get the best out of the player. You have to have that. And how do you do that? Well, you do it really in four different ways. You model the behavior you want to see as a coach, and then you do that with the player, and the player does it for everybody else. And in that, as you model, you inspire guys. You inspire them to act and to do right and to work extremely hard. right? And then you challenge. The next thing is that you challenge guys. You have to challenge them. And how you do that, you do it in a respectful way. So you model, you inspire, you challenge. And then at the end of the day, football is hard and, and, and it's difficult. And the last thing you've got to do is you've got to be able to encourage. You've got to be able to encourage yourself to keep going and encourage others around you. So uh, that's really my coaching philosophy. And what the product you'll see on the field is what I talked about, the hustle, you know, the intensity, and then taking care of the ball and being real smart uh, in situations. So that's what we talked about, and that's what I've done throughout my career, and that's what we're going to do here at the Bears. Yeah, well, I could live without the acronym. I'm all about the defense taking the ball away and giving Justin Fields more chances. I wonder if the Bears offense could score on even short fields, even if the defense works the way it would. Okay, so Cesar Perez, my producer at this point, I'm, we're, we seem to be different, we're working from different prayer books. So what's next? What, what verse is next on the Eberflus visit with Rich Eisen? Sure. So the next clip, he's talking about David Montgomery. He was asked, you know, his, his view on David Montgomery. And, and from uh, what we hear in the clip, he seems to think uh, David Montgomery could be an elite back. David Montgomery's got the skill set to get it done for sure. Um, and the wide zone scheme, you've had, you know, of the Denver Broncos and, you know, all the teams of the past that have run this scheme, there's been many a running back get over 1,000 yards in this scheme. And uh, so we're excited about that part of it. We're excited about the offensive line, how they're progressing too. Okay, well, hopefully he sees something we don't because he must, and um, hopefully it's not a mirage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. It is Saturday Suckage, and you could hear by that last segment how much it sucked, and we welcome you in. We're going to take a break. When we come back, and we will talk more Bears with Chris Emma at 1140. We'll talk more about what's going on at the OTAs and different positional battles and just where the talent is. But the White Sox have a lineup. The Yankees have a lineup. There's stuff going on with Yankees and White Sox and facing a team that the White Sox have to Or don't they? It's only May. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. We'll talk about that next. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. And I'm Steve Rosenblum, presiding over Saturday Suckage. Thank you very much for joining us. Take up to Soul 45 Cubs pregame. 
Zach Zaidman and Cubs and Diamondbacks again. By the way, the Cubs are a significant part of something, a group of things that never happened in Major League Baseball on the same day, and it happened yesterday. This according to Stats by Stats. There was a game with 10 or more home runs. That was the Cubs-Diamondbacks. Kyle Hendricks gave up four homers, seven earned runs. He sucks again. There was a player with a three-homer game. Yep, Arizona's Josh Rojas against the Cubs, of course. Why don't the Cubs get guys who can hit three homers in a game? You know, guys they won't trade, I mean. So there was a triple play last night. Nationals turned it with old friend Carl Edwards Jr. pitching. Raise your hand if you knew Carl Edwards Jr. was still pitching for someone. And of course, he walked the first two batters of the inning, then got Luis Urias to hit a wicked grounder to third, 5-4-3 out of the inning. And by the way, Carl Edwards Jr. was pitching because the Nationals were losing 7-0 to the Brewers. Also on Friday, a grand slam. Trevor Story continues to hit everything. A complete game shutout. Texas lefty Martin Perez against the Cheat Nastros. And a walk-off home run, Baltimore, Baltimore's Rugned Odor. That had never happened all on the same day in Major League Baseball, and it happened Friday. What a great time to be alive. So what also happened this week was Tony Russo was talking about, well, there were lineup pistas and his hitting challenge team and and he's, there was a quote that came out this week. Tony said, if we're struggling, now I have another gear to go to. That's bull bleep. All you do is make decisions. So you better give it your same all the time. No, I take every game like it's the last game of my life. Really? So in the last game of your life, you would not play Tony, uh, Tom, uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. Is that how it works? See, that's why it's. I realize you say that, and it's a cliche, and you're trying to make a point, and it's like it's as non much nonsense and hogwash as saying we're going to give 110 percent. It's just ridiculous. If you want to say I manage every season as if it's the last of my life, I could say two things. One is that would be more believable, and two, I think a lot of Sox fans would hope that would be the case. Sox lineup today against the Yankees. Tim Anderson is short. Oh, my God, look at that. A DH batting second? That Vaughn guy. Vaughn. So, Tony Laurentaria has come to his senses. Batting third, Louis Robert in center. Jose Abreu at first. Grandal batting fifth and catching. Well, mostly catching. Pollock in left. Moncada at third. Adam Engel in right. Josh Harrison batting ninth. Playing second base. Dallas Keuchel pitching. That Sox lineup will face Nestor Cortez, who asphyxiated the Sox last Sunday. Eight innings, one run, three hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. Well, of course no walks. The Sox don't walk. They they bat like they have to get in line for the at the Apple store for the new iPhone. The Yankees will send this lineup out against Dallas Keuchel. Now, last week I was doing some what might fairly be called panic peddling. Because it was Dallas Keuchel pitching against the Yankees who destroy left-handers. And Dallas Keuchel last Saturday was just five innings and was terrific and gave with the White Sox what they needed and then didn't like being pulled out of the game and sounded like it was all about Dallas Keuchel and not about 
the team. And there wasn't there wasn't a lot of happiness around a start that Dallas Keuchel should have been happy about. Everyone else was happy and surprised about. Yankees are coming at him with this. DJ LeMahieu at third. Aaron Judge and his 14 homers batting second. Disco Tony Rizzo and his 10 homers and the short porch in Yankee Stadium's right field batting third. Giancarlo Stanton and his 11 homers batting fourth. Josh Donaldson, the evil Sox enemy, playing. he's at DH and he's batting fifth. Is he? Josh Donaldson has become, like, if not Tony Laurentaria, then Donaldson has to be Sox public enemy number one, right? Wouldn't that be the most, the thing, whatever he had with, whatever he had going with Tim Anderson and last series and then last year with a no more sticky stuff comment and scream. He has to be the active leader. He loves that. it too. He loves being the villain. He he loves well, the fact that it, that he's the villain. Yeah, Caesar, the most guys do. He plays that well. That's really why he was a perfect twin when you think about it. As a Yankee, he kind of gets lost in all of that that thunder and the history. But as a twin, he's perfect for the 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 way White Sox fans obsess over going all the way back to the piranhas and grinding and and somewhere there's a Mike Mulligan bites a cut of screaming more now and just all of that and Kenny Williams modeled these socks. He, well, I want those grinders. I want those guys who are grinders. That's what I want. And they didn't win until they got a former Twins catcher on the team. And we just passed the anniversary of AJ walking into Michael Barrett's fist and setting off fireworks. And boy, that was the thing. Anyways, Josh Donaldson has to be the 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 active leader if Tony Laurentaria isn't making out making decisions and making lineups. Glaber Torres, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Kyle Higashioka catching, and Aaron Hicks ninth. And that's what the Yankees are sending against. Uh, and I, I, I realized what Keiko did last week, and that was phenomenal and wonderful and surprising. I just don't see. I, I Can he do it again? I don't know. I, I, I'm doubtful. I think the it's still scary to think of him and what Yankees do against left-handers. But we saw it once. Maybe they get it again. So the rainout provided some rest for the White Sox. They'd, everybody needed a rest. They got some rest. They, the bullpen is going to be feeling a little better. The, the, I'm, I'm sure that the days off were not unwelcome to guys who got days off in the second game of the doubleheader. Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, as Tony manages every game like the last game of his life. Tomorrow... Cueto goes, and Johnny Cueto and all those moves and every all that twisting and twerking and pitching and guile and whatever's going on. So that's part of the doubleheader the White Sox will be playing. Okay, well, they, they have a chance to play, to win, to show against good teams. And I know it's only May, and we talked about that last week, and the idea... Because we talked about it last year when Lance Lynn was asked about the, and I think I screwed up the situation. We was talking about the Tampa series, and I think I had them beating Tampa and taking the series from Tampa, and doesn't it mean something? But just the fact that there was that series, the challenge of playing a a, a MLB leading team, a division leading team like the Rays, and and he said it's June, no one gives a bleep. So it's May, everyone gives less of it. However, the same problems exist. 
And by the way, the Hall of Famer baseball person currently managing the White Sox, those same play, those same situations exist under Tony Laurenteria. Can't beat good teams. They won what one playoff game under him. Their defense is bad. Their base running is suspect, and now they're not hitting. Hitting is largely on the players, but they're not walking. That should be on the players too. But at some point, the manager needs to make a point, and it's not resting guys. Maybe that's the way he's going to go about it. Maybe he gets more out of them later on. Managers manage in different ways. They relate to their teams in different ways. But to go from a team that looked like it was learning, looked like it was growing, looked like it was going to become a big boy team, work pitchers, get deep into counts, get deep into bullpens, get the starters out of there, and now to to swing recklessly, to show little plate discipline, to refuse to play the game the way it has turned, you're making it easy on other teams. So the play, it's on the players to show the discipline, to work at it. They need to put that in. I don't know where the manager is in this. One of two things might be possible. Nobody's blaming the manager, and that would probably be Chairman Reinsdorf. The other thing is, well, I guess that's the one thing. There are three things. That's one of them, and that's why the general manager can't fire the manager if he wanted to. I don't know if he does or not. But the other thing is that if the manager is stressing this, the team isn't listening, and is he committing managerial malpractice if he's not stressing this? Work counts, get walks, take the game, take the pitchers deep, get into the bullpens quickly. Because we've been hearing about how good that White Sox bullpen and, and we know is, and we know that White Sox bullpen already looks overtaxed. They've overspent on it, or they've spent a lot of money on it, and you kind of fear, looking later in the season, are these guys going to be what the White Sox are paying for? Are they going to be able to deliver? Because other teams are playing the walk game, the get into count, deep counts game, a lot better than the White Sox offense. And and that's why there was questions about Frank Medichino, the hitting coach, about his job security this week. Hey, Steve, I, I just uh, I want to chime in just so we minimize our suckage here. We had a texter chime in. You know Moncada in the lineup today. It'll be Leroy Garcia uh, starting at second and Abreu DHing. Vaughn is going to be in. Wait, I went. I went place. to MLB.com, and that's what it said. I went to the. I went to MLB.com, and it posted the lineup. And the White Sox posted the lineup with Moncada in. So why isn't Moncada there? Do we have an answer on that? I do not have an answer, but I did want to correct us. Oh yeah, it uh, is. Leury Garcia. Mm-hmm. So Vaughn's at first. Robertson center. Abreu's the DH. Leury at second, and Harrison's playing third, so we don't know why the... Uh, okay, well, we'll find out. I don't want to speculate on it, but no no yo-yo. They call him yo-yo, Caesar. They call him yo-yo. No yo-yo in the lineup today. No yo-yo. No yo-yo, yeah. Okay, well, we'll try to gather more information. Thank you to Tyler and Spring Grove. Steve, see the seven and nine spots today? Yeah. 815 texter, explain La Renteria. Really? Do I need to explain that to you? Really? Do you do you realize that Hall of Famer baseball person who re- replaced Ricky Renteria, they won the same number of games, they have the same kind of problems? Do you realize that? With 
By the way, a more experienced roster for Tony Laurentaria and a lot more money spent on by the Sox to make Tony Laurentaria look good. And we see a lot of issues right here. These are the kind of teams that, even though it's early, you have a chance to rally. And Tony Laurentaria's teams have a history of rally. His 83 Sox team had a had a legendary rally uh, when they when they did not look like they were going anywhere. So it can certainly be done. But you see a pattern. It continues. So they changed managers, and what did they end up with? They ended up with one playoff win each year. I don't know. Kind of get paid when you when you neuter your general manager, you kind of you kind of expect Matt to bring in a Hall of Famer baseball person. You kind of expect more than what you're getting. You could have kept Ricky Renteria and gotten the same kind of thing. I'm Steve Rosenwald. This is Saturday Suckage. Text line 312-644-6767. We'll get back to talking football. Bears, the OTAs, Matt Eberflus, he's talking about how great everything is, except maybe Jalen Johnson. He's He's got stuff to work on because he's been in the NFL three seasons and led the Bears in passes defended. But that rookie who hasn't taken an NFL snap, the rookie, by the way, who was drafted by the Eberflus administration, oh, my God, he's all everything. Watch out, Deion Sanders. It's just such a rookie mistake by a rookie coach. I guess we should have expected that, but it just rings so awfully. We will talk with Chris Emma about the Bears, score reporter, next on Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score. It is, and I'm Steve Rosenblum. Wouldn't be Saturday Suckage without me. Thank you for joining in. I suck so you don't have to, and I did by releasing you, by reading you a Sox lineup that didn't really exist. Or it did at one time, and then stuff happened. So here is an update. Daryl Monscown of the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted out, Moncada will be scratched with a leg issue, of course. And Abreu has an upper respiratory issue, not COVID. He will DH. Vaughn will be at first base, still batting second, remarkably so, in Tony Laurentaria's lineup. And now Larry Garcia goes to second base, Josh Harrison to third. Tony Laurentaria said Moncada will be available off the bench. So that's an update on what we just talked about, the last segment. And the segment before that, you know, welcome into the show, score reporter Chris Emma. Chris Emma has been up at Hallis Hall, Bears OTAs. All kinds of exciting things going on, all kinds of football-y things, all kinds of of OTAs with Matt Eberflus having his first outing and saying his first things upon seeing a lot of the team. Chris, welcome to the show. What did you hear? What did you see? What jumped out? Rosie, good to be with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's OTAs. We're getting closer and closer to training camp. About two months from now, we'll be talking about the start of training camp up at Hallis Hall, but... Right now, it's all about just kind of implementing things and getting guys comfortable kind of working on certain things such as technique from an individual standpoint, but also uh, really kind of absorbing this playbook and understanding what's going to be coming up this season. So uh, those are some of the basics of what really stood out from a 30,000-foot view. But in terms of some of the other things he said, I I really – I noticed it and I took note of it myself that – uh, he said Kyler Gordon looks impressive. He said that's somebody who's jumping out to him. That's what you want of a second-round pick. You know, your top uh, pick for the new general manager and Ryan Poles. And 
Uh, they believe in this kid. They see him as a day one starter and somebody with high upside. So, uh, look, they're not in pads. They're not at full speed. you got to take it all with a grain of salt. But the fact that Matt Eberflus is saying this about Kyler Gordon is important. Talking with Chris Emma, reporter for the score. He was up at Hallis Hall. We're talking Bears football with him. He joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So in talking about how wonderful and all-world and Spider-Man and Deion Sanders and everything is great <laughs> and spectacular, this Kyler Gordon. And by the way, the three-year NFL veteran who has taken NFL snaps and led the Bears in passes defended and is their best player in the secondary coming off last year's team. And he needs work. While Kyler Gordon, who's never taken an NFL snap in anger, is just all everything. Can you provide context to this or perspective? Because it really sounds to me, as I said earlier, a rookie coach making a rookie mistake, trying to take your best player and motivate him in a very transparent way, and then everybody will have to follow him. It just doesn't make sense to me. Can you make sense of that? Yeah, I don't know if I read too much into it. It's uh, You raise a good point, though, in terms of the rookie head coach communicating publicly. Matty Berflus hasn't done this before as a head coach in terms of being that public face and that public figure and the guy who has to be very calculated with the media. And frankly, as a media in Chicago, where we really kind of take note of all these things and, uh, you know, everything gets absorbed differently than smaller markets. Like, so I, I think you make a good point in that. It's just, he's got to kind of be careful with some of the things he says and more specifically, what kind of storylines he creates or how a player works with it. Uh, I, I will say I did like Jalen Johnson's mindset of that, you know, he knows his past defense wasn't good enough. Despite the fact that he had a pretty solid year, he feels he can get a lot better. And he's had the right attitude ever since he got drafted a couple years ago. It's year three. Uh, they want to see him really take even more of a leap this season. And we'll see what he can do within the scheme. I'm all for that. I, I, I'm, I'm all for him getting better. I like what I've seen. There's a... There's a fearlessness about him, and I think those are the words they use to describe in, in one manner, either that actual word or um, the the insinuations, the, the, the descriptions of their first two picks, Brisker and Gordon, and that would be terrific. They need that. They need, the, they need turnovers. They need to take the ball away. They need that secondary to score. They need to get back to what we saw in Matt Nagy's first year when, when they were, the defense was able to overcome Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy and Cody Parkey and stuff like that. And last year the defense was, the takeaways, the, 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 the defensive scoring was non-existent. I don't expect to see much of that now, but are there, I remember when Lovey first came in with the loaf chart and the screaming that if there's a ball on the ground for any reason, the defense better pick it up and run. I don't know if that that version of Lovey's, this is, seems like Lovey part two with Eberflus. I don't know if that showed up at, at Hallis Hall as part of the OTAs or anything like that showed up. Did you see here? Did you were you able to gauge anything, Chris? You know, Rosie, not only has it shown up in OTAs, but it showed up in rookie minicamp. And to, to set the scene for rookie minicamp, like, you're talking about your draft picks, so 11 draft picks. You're talking about uh, what, a couple dozen or a dozen undrafted free agents and a ton of tryout guys who you know are just not going to be on the team. 
And I haven't seen a rookie minicamp like that where there's just that much movement, that high of a speed. And between that and really everything they've done, including that voluntary minicamp back in April, they're moving full speed. They're finishing every play. You know, if a ball hits the ground, they're going to it. As you mentioned, that's a Lovey Smith thing all the way. Uh, you know, if a ball's overthrown, if you're finishing a, uh, you know, a rushing play, you continue running all the way. It is a fast, high-paced practice. Uh, and that's the kind of environment that Matt Eberfus covets. That's what he wants to do to build this thing up. And you heard it day one. He said, get your track shoes on. That's what he meant. Like, if you're on the sidelines of practice, and if you've seen enough of these with different regimes, different styles, it stands out. It's really noticeable the way that they are practicing at a different speed. And this is my third Bearside coach I've covered now, John Fox, Matt Nagy, and now Matt Eberflus. It is a much different practice than the previous two. <laughs> wow, you're going through coaches like Jay Cutler and like every other Bears <laughs> every player. Four wow. Years, it's like an election cycle. It's a cycle. Just every four years, there's somebody new. And, no, but so it's different this year. You can definitely catch on. Chris Emma joins us. He was reporting on the Bears for the score, this very radio station on Saturday Suckage. So, so uh, Odyssey expert, uh, football expert Ross Tucker, who's been a frequent guest on the score, generally the morning show, and he had tweeted this out. Get drafted by a coach GM on the hot, hot seat. Change coaches and scheme after rookie year. Bad offensive line. Lack of weapons. Bears are following the, quote, how to ruin a young quarterback, end quote, script perfectly so far. So there's that. And then Joe Banner, who had built teams in Philadelphia most notably, had tweeted out that it looks like the Bears are doing nothing, but what Ryan Poles is doing is the right thing and the right approach. We've seen Ryan Poles make mistakes, have no idea why he doesn't, create a contract, get a contract done to get that right guard from Buffalo that he that he should have had done. He made a mistake with Ogunjobi. Uh, it, you know, whether, however the bad work turned out, this was not a good look. So which way do you go on this? Which way do you look at the Bears and their approach to what they're – are they killing Justin Fields? He wasn't drafted by this organization, or are they doing what they need to do, even though to the rest of us it looks like – there's no weapons here. Look, there's been this narrative for the last couple months since free agency and on through the draft about what they have and haven't done with Justin Fields. I think they've made the investment uh, to which they see Justin Fields' future right now, and that's lukewarm. They want to see him prove it. Uh, they didn't believe it was worth putting you know, a $100 million receiver alongside Justin Fields and making that kind of investment when you need to shore up this whole roster and you need to add talent at every position group. Uh, Ryan Poles, uh, there's been a lot of made about what he has and hasn't said, uh, has and haven't said, and these kind of things. His endorsements are lack thereof. The point is he wants to see it, and that goes with every single player on the roster. I, I don't think he sold on Justin Fields. I think if he was running that draft a year ago, maybe he has a different preference. But he's handled this, I believe, the right way in terms of leaving the flexibility to move forward and Look, if Justin Fields lights it up this year, uh, then you make those investments. Then you go out and get that big-time playmaking receiver, and you build around him and say, this is our quarterback. But Ryan Poles doesn't want to tie himself right now to Justin Fields, and if you don't get that jump this season, then you know, you're know you kind of stuck with these investments. He wants to see it for himself. I think the Bears' biggest belief in the improvements around Justin Fields comes with a competent offense. I think they really believe in what Luke Getze can do for Justin Fields, and 
Frankly, I think they really understand that Justin Fields was let down by Matt Nagy and that coaching staff last year. I do agree they could use some stability at right guard. That's a gaping hole on the offensive line right now. But Lucas Patrick has a lot to that interior. Uh, I think the O-line can be better this season. They certainly got a lot of competition. Uh, in terms of the receiver position, look, I admire that they didn't leap in round two to get somebody they weren't sold on. They went out and got best player available. They solidified the secondary now. I think they feel confident about what they have in terms of uh, usage and, and uh, pieces around Justin Fields that can really maximize that deep threat. Like, this is going to be a run-heavy offense. It's going to be an offense really built around uh, the RPO, built around you know a deep uh, running game. And ideally, you're creating chances in the passing game through that. Uh, they see Mooney as that top receiver, of course. They've been really high on him since they got here. But... They see guys like Pringle and St. Brown, who I know are not proven commodities, but as that number two, somebody who can jump in and get open downfield and make a play. So we'll see how it all plays out. I think they're confident that Justin Fields can make that kind of jump, but they certainly aren't sure on everything right now. They want to see it for themselves. Talk with Chris Emma. Reporting on the Bears at Hallis Hall, uh, Bears OTAs, the first under Matt Eberflus. We're talking about it on Saturday, Suckage, here on The Score. So Bears fans are going to get, they're, they're expecting something from the running game, and it includes Kari Blassingame, who plays a position unfamiliar to Bears fans. That would be called fullback. How does that help the running game and the passing game? I know the running game is kind of obvious, but the passing game, how does that matter in the Bears' offense? It, it's just addressing the run game and the blocking game a little bit better. It's a, it's an acknowledgement that they can find another way to improve it. First of all, he's a big old dude. Like, you see him, he stands out uh, in practice. You take notice of him every time. But uh, it's just a comfort blanket for the running game and the running backs and to have that guy leading the way. They feel really good about that. Uh, I like that. It. It's also an acknowledgement to what I was saying before of they're committed to the running game. Like, this isn't the Matt Nagy thing of I need to run the ball, I'm not an idiot, and then you run the ball seven times in a game. Like, <laughs> they're going to be running the ball. And not only that, I think you're going to see what I was mentioning before, the multifaceted running game. Not just Dave Montgomery, but they really like Khalil Herbert. Uh, Darrington Evans is a guy they drafted. Tristan Ebner out of uh, Baylor. I'm sorry, I said Evans. Uh, free, agents, uh, free agency for him. Ebner was the draft pick down of Baylor. They're going to get a lot of guys involved with this. And they feel really good about what having a fullback can do for that running game as well. It's just another commitment to that running attack. And what has been the response to human beings see that seeing Nathan Peterman on the field? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because this is such a Bears quarterback that he's he would be that his career quarterback rating. 34.0, Walter Payton's number. In this case, that's not a good number. It would rank in the 10 worst um, passer rate, quarterback ratings for for just simply quarterbacks. If that's you know, not taking wide receivers who threw one pass or things like that. Nathan Peterman is in the, and here's the scary thing. You say, well, he won't play. He's just an arm. He's a third string quarterback. Just like a pitcher in the batter's box, even John Lester, he's got a bat. He's dangerous. The fact that Nathan Peterman is in the Bears quarterback room. That's dangerous <laughs> to the Bears. So I'm just asking because I, he's such a punchline, and here he is, quarterback for the team that for which quarterback has been a punchline for decades. How's that you know, working out? For you? Ro- Rosie, we always hear about somebody's great in the quarterback's room where he's great with the playbook, great with the starter. <laughs> Nathan Peterman must be incredible in the quarterback room, <laughs> in those meeting rooms. The numbers are... 
you can't de- defend it. it. They're horrendous. He produced one of the worst quarterback games ever, five interceptions in one half. Uh, he was the starter for that game in 18, a 41-9 win for the Bears, uh, in which they went into Buffalo and blew them out. Buffalo bottomed out that season. They drafted a guy named Josh Allen who's been pretty good. So uh, I guess if you're hoping, you desperately hope you don't get Peterman on the field, but maybe he's a terrific sounding board for Justin Fields. I can't quite figure it out yet. Okay, when you do figure it out, we'll put you back on the air. You come back to us with new information. Chris, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time on Saturday. Take care. All right. Chris, I'm of the score. Talk about the Bears. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, Danny Parkins. Danny Parkins. Say congratulations to him. And I will say this, because because the the one thing, the best thing about Terry Boers is that he's always Terry Boers. And that will be next at the noon hour. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.